0: Well, good morning again, and um, I actually just wanted to start today. We'll get really started with the message in a minute, but... Um, this was a really, really great week for Carolina Family Church. Um, we had a great service last week, of course. And then um, Sunday night, we uh, went out to the big block party, the Go Big Block Party out at the YMCA. And uh, we were really just there, we weren't doing anything. We were just there to be present and to talk to folks and to, to serve wherever was needed and jump in and help. And um, I was just so proud of how many of, of you came out for that and wore your green t-shirts and, and it seems like everybody who wore one of their green t-shirts, this is family shirts, and you get those by being on one of our teams, by the way, um, came out to that. And uh, we're, almost everybody got asked by somebody, what's up with the shirt? You know, And they got a chance to talk about the church and what it means to them. And uh, I just thought that was fantastic. Uh, many, many people took notice. And then Thursday, the United Way does something called the Day of Caring every single year. And um, way, way back many, many moons ago, before I was a pastor, I worked at the United Way here in uh, Salisbury, and uh, I helped run the Day of Caring. So it was like a full circle thing. And I thought, well, let's get, let's get CFC involved. And so we took on the project. It's where um, corporations, for the most part, send teams to schools and nonprofits in the area. And they do um, projects that are funded by other foundations, um, things like landscaping and painting and that sort of thing. And um, so... This past week, we took on the project here at Irwin Middle School, which was uh, building benches, these little four-foot wooden benches that ended up in the uh, other atrium, the uh, other quad or whatever you call it over there, green space. Let's go with that. And uh, we set them up in a semicircle so that the teachers could hold class outside um, at those. And so um, so, um, they were fighting over it, by the way. Um, And on Friday, somebody won. I think they're arm wrestling for the right to use the outdoor classroom space now. And um, somebody used it on Friday, and so it's going to be used uh, from time to time to time. So I want to say thank you to Jeremy Sides for coming and helping build and Aaron Plummer for helping build and Bailey Arante for coming to help build. Um, so it was, a, it was a day's worth of work, but it made a big impact here in the school. And so great things are happening. And, and all that to say, this week, it just struck me how, how honored I am personally to be a part of this church. And it was about a a year, about a week and a half ago, it was one year to the day when God confirmed to Jess and I that we were supposed to start Carolina Family Church and uh, it picked it bopped up in our time hop in Facebook, uh, the picture from the trip that we took when we decided that this is what God wanted us to do. And when we, when God gave us the vision to start the church, you know, it was a vision. I had a a picture in my head of what it was going to be and what it was going to be like and what the, what everybody at the church was going to be like and what our heartbeat was going to be and the kinds of things we were going to do and the way we were going to deal with each other and what people were going to experience when they met our church and all those kinds of things. And I was just reflecting on that this past week and thinking, it has you guys, what God has done here has completely exceeded any expectation that I had for what this church was going to be. And, um, As far as ministry and life, I look at where our family is, and I think this is the best it's ever been for us. We just feel like we're taking the most ground, and we feel like our relationships with you all are the best, and we love each other and support each other, and we're moving forward, and it's just been more than I ever could have hoped. And so I'm just reflecting on how thankful I am to be a part of what God is doing here, and make no mistake about it. We're all here in flesh and blood, but it's God that's doing it through all of us. And so, I'm incredibly thankful for that, and I'm incredibly thankful for you. Um, and it's an honor for me to get the opportunity to stand in front of you most weekends and be able to teach because it's what I'm passionate about, what I'm gifted, and um, you afford me the opportunity to do that and to live out my mission and my calling in life, and to be able to put together teaching and series that I think is going to help us all, um, like this one that we're in right now called "Don't Let." control you. If you fill in the blank with what you want over these four weeks, we're filling in the blank with what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in the book of Matthew. And so we're doing a a 30,000 foot flyover of the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. And and today we come to something that I know is very important to many of you. It weighs on, on your heart. It's something that you deal with. And I know because it's something that I deal with Um, We have a series coming up after this one, not to fast forward past where we are, but the series after this one is going to be called You Asked For It. And so over the past few weeks, I've been generating ideas from many of you. We have a a form that you can fill out and submit your ideas. Anything you want us to teach on, we'll consider it. And then what we're going to do today, actually, I'm going to take all of those suggestions. And there's a bunch of them, by the way. Um, I'm going to take all those suggestions and boil them down into what seem like the six main categories or the six main themes. And then tomorrow, I'm going to post a poll on Facebook where you can vote on which ones you want to hear us preach on the top three vote getters are what we're actually going to teach in that series. And here's how I know that this is, this is something what we're talking about today is something that's weighing on your heart is because at least half of those submissions that I've gotten so far, all deal with the same thing. I'm not surprised by it. Cause I've done these kind of series before and, and it always pops up, but at least half of the submissions that we've gotten for you asked for it, all deal with the same thing. Anxiety anxiety. And I get it. I get it. I get it because I deal with it. And I'll talk about that a little bit more as we go on today. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Um, this week, a brand new book came out by uh, Pastor Max Lucado. If you don't know who he is, he's pretty good. And uh, he's written a few good books. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and uh, and he, he came out with a new book this week. It's called uh, Anxious for Nothing. believe is the title of the book. And so he was doing the whole circuit, all the shows and everything, stopping by everywhere. Um, And I haven't read the book, but I know him well enough to know that I could probably recommend that book to you without reading it. Uh, It's called Anxious for Nothing. And um, you tell me how it is. I'll probably pick up a copy here pretty soon and read it myself. But uh, he was doing the whole circuit. And my mom found out that we were uh, doing this message on anxiety and she saw him, he was on Fox and friends, I think. And so, um, she didn't know how to like send a link to a video. So she just video recorded the, her TV, you know what I mean? And then, and then texted to me in three sections. But, um, so I tried to watch it that way and I was like, let me just go to the website cause I know I can watch it there. But, uh, but there was some really interesting stuff they talked about there. I went and confirmed some of these statistics, but what a big problem it is. First of all, um, the most recent studies show that, um, the United States of America is the most anxious nation in the entire planet. I don't know if that surprises anybody. It doesn't surprise me, um, but that's the, fa- that's the case. It is, in fact, anxiety is the number one mental health issue for women. Okay. For men, it's drugs and alcohol, but women, this is interesting. Women are twice as likely to suffer from an anxiety disorder as men are. And I don't know why that is. I just know that it is. Um, so be aware of that. And the, uh, the, the number of people that are diagnosed with some sort of anxiety disorder, which can be things like OCD or social anxiety disorder or, or anything like that, um, panic attacks, that sort of thing. Uh, the, that the most recent statistic is that 18% of Americans are diagnosed with some sort of anxiety disorder. That's of course not to mention all those that go undiagnosed. You know, but this this statistic really struck me that among uh, students aged 13 to 18, that number's much, much higher. So for for middle school and high school students, 25% of high school and middle school students in America are diagnosed with some sort of anxiety disorder. And which is crazy when you think about it, because you go to the broad level and you think, man, when you're young, isn't that when you should be carefree? <laughs> so certainly you would think anxiety would increase over the course of your life, but it doesn't seem to work that way. There's a lot of fear and concern about what's coming in the future, about test scores and where I'm going to school and whether I'm going to be able to get the career that I want to have and, and pressures that come from inside and from outside, right? I want to I make mom and dad happy and I don't want to let anyone down and I, all of this kind of stuff. It's at an incredibly high level. In fact, they said on the program, uh, Max uh, Lucado said this, that the average high school student today has the same level of anxiety as an average psychiatric patient from the 1950s. It uh, doesn't surprise me actually with what we see. And so this is something that we all face on one level or another. And I, I do want to say that, that we use the words anxiety and we use the word worry And while they're very, very similar, and I'll probably use them interchangeably today, they're not exactly the same thing. Worry, when you think clinically about it, worry is focus on one particular problem or issue. So I'm worried about this test that I'm taking. That's worry. Worry is very uh, intellectual. Worry is very physical and tangible, whereas anxiety is not focused on a specific thing. It's just a general fear of the future, I just feel anxious. And I told you, y'all, you know, that um, this is something that I deal with. And I understand that because there are days where I just suffer from anxiety for no reason whatsoever. And, um, and Jess knows this about me. And she'll talk to me and say, you know, what's wrong today? What's going on? I say, nothing's going on. Nothing's going on. I'm just anxious. I'm just nervous. I'm just scared. I'm just worried. And I don't exactly know why. And um, so this has a, it has a big impact on me and maybe on you too. Um, One of the things I'm I'm very anxious today, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm very anxious, feeling very anxious today um, because I'm a Bills fan. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, the Bills play the Panthers today, if you didn't know, if you didn't know that. Uh, and they actually are playing here, which is great, but, um, I, I'm, I'm taking the good with the bad on that because even if they lose horribly, which they might, uh, at least I get to watch them lose. So <laughs> they're guaranteed to be on TV today. And I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but I do, I do have anxiety and all these different levels and it can show up in different ways. You know, um, one of the things that I have is, uh, I call it phone anxiety. Does anybody else have phone anxiety? Okay. So honest, honest truth. If you call me, and some people do this because they know it and they just mess with me. (laughs) But if you call me, I have a physical reaction to the phone ringing. My heartbeat starts, my heartbeat increases. My palms get sweaty. A general fear comes over me and I don't want to answer the phone. In fact, a lot of my friends, when they'll call, which they don't do very often, like text me or email me or something, okay, save me from that. Or uh, the worst is a voicemail that just says, hey, it's so-and-so, call me back. That, doesn't, that sends, that sends me through the roof. I want to know what's going on. I need some context here, people. Um, but when the, when the phone rings, I get this sense of anxiety and I don't want to answer the phone. And, and it's not because I have had bad phone conversations. It's not because I've got like all this bad thing happening. Like it's going to be something horrible. It's just, I just have that. It just, it very much concerns me when the phone rings, which is, it's kind of comical, but it's, it's a real thing. Um, I have a, a bit of social anxiety, and um, I, I don't like to go where there are crowds of people, which seems funny given the fact that I'm a pastor, but um, I, I don't like that. I would, I, would, I would much rather stay home, and I get very, very nervous before going into a group of people, and this is going to sound crazy. We, we started groups last week. Okay. And I'm in several groups, a couple of men's groups and and other things. We have a men's group that meets on Monday nights. I'm going, we'll be going that tomorrow night. And I'm telling you at five o'clock tomorrow night in my head, I will be trying to make up ways to get out of it because I don't want to go. Now I'm serious. Okay. I don't want to go, but but I know this about myself. I know that this is, this is unfounded anxiety. And so I will make myself go. And I'll tell you this, I'm always happy that I do. Always. It's, it's never been bad. It's never gone wrong. I'm just anxious about it. I'm just nervous about it. And like I said, there are days where I just have a general sense of anxiety. So some of you deal with that, and, and, and it's a mixture of worry. Some of it's focused, and some of it's not focused, and I'll use that interchangeably today. But this is something that we deal with, and it's a, we do a, a lot of people deal with, and we'll talk as we go through about the, the kind of control that has over us. So let me just give you the, the overall point for the day. We got don't let blank control you, and I don't think this is going to be a surprise, but today is don't let anxiety control you. Don't let anxiety control you can't always stop it from happening, but don't let it control you. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to go to Matthew, um, chapter six. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open there. If you brought a, a paper Bible, like I said, we're going through the greatest sermon ever preached. If you brought a paper Bible and you're, you're new. Okay. Roughly there. If that's helpful to you, if you have the, if you happen to have the exact same Bible as me, that would be page 634. It's not likely, but, um, maybe. We'll put it on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. And well, I think one of the great things you can do now is uh, technology affords us a lot of opportunities. And so you can download the UVersion Bible app and you can look at the scriptures there. And we actually have under the events section, have a live event right now here at Carolina Family Church that'll have all the scriptures in there for you. You can take notes and then email them to yourself right there on your device. But I do want to encourage you, even with all this technology around us, there's, there's nothing quite like reading out of off a page. You know, there's something very tangible and different about that to me. And maybe that would make a difference for you too. Particularly when we're going through a larger portion of scripture, like we're going to do today, it helps to, to track along. All right. So we have left last week, we left off in chapter six, verse 18. And if you were here, what we talked about, or if you weren't here, what we talked about was how we're supposed to try to get recognition from God, not from other people. That when we do, when we give or when we pray or when we fast in order to get attention from other people, that's the only reward we get is their attention. (laughs) But if we want, if we want reward from God, then we need to do all those things in secret with the right heart. So Jesus is just, he's finished talking about how important it is that we keep our eyes focused on God rather than putting our eyes on the attention of other people, which really helps us to understand what he's about to say next in verse 19. Okay. verses chapter six, verse 19. He says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And so this, you can see how this, this dovetails right into what he just said, right? He he said, we need to focus on getting reward from God by doing things in secret and for the right motivation instead of doing them in front of people and getting reward that way. And he says, don't store for yourself treasures on earth and all that attention, that recognition you're talking about, but store for yourself treasure in heaven because stuff here breaks and it's temporary and it decays. But what you get from God is going to last forever. You can can either put your trust in God and faith in God and store your treasure there. You can put your faith and trust in people and store your treasure here. And one is better. Like I can put my faith in a Mercedes or I can put my faith in a Fiat. They're different and one is better. Okay. So we need to put our trust in God. And this is why it's so important. Look at the next verse for where your treasure is there. Your heart will be also. You see what he's saying? The place where we're putting our reward, the place that we're looking to get recognition from the the, the place where we're looking to store up and amass this wealth that we have, that is what our heart will be based on that's what our hope will be based on. And this is massive. This is is so incredibly important across the board. You see, the condition of what you value, whether that's God or other people or things or whatever, the condition of what you value will determine the confidence of your heart. It will determine your level of anxiety versus your level of fear. How confident, and I'm going to use this term, and this, this has helped me to understand it. Maybe it'll help you understand it as well. How confident you are in what you're primarily concerned with. Think about what you're primarily concerned with. Your confidence in that will direct the level of hope you feel, whether in the moment or in general. Your confidence in the thing that you are primarily concerned with will determine the level of hope that you feel. So we got to get it right. So this this is the way it works. If if the thing that you are primarily concerned with is your children, then your level of hope and confidence will be determined by how your children are doing. So when your relationship with your kids is going really well, that's where your treasure is, is with your kids and it's going well, there your heart will be also, so your hope will be high. But when things aren't going well with your kids, it'll wreck you. If, if you were primarily concerned with your career, you're going to be great and full of hope as long as your career is going well. But as soon as something turns, as soon as you get bought out by another company, as soon as the consultants come in to do a reorganization, as soon as they start laying people off because production is low and you're low man on the totem pole, as soon as that starts happening, now your hope, now anxiety starts to creep up. Because the thing you're primarily concerned with isn't doing well. If if you're primarily concerned about what other people think about you, you'll be fine as long as things are going well in your relationships. But as soon as someone criticizes you, everything's going to start to collapse on you. If you're primarily concerned with your own happiness and satisfaction, you'll be hopeful as long as you feel happy but you'll be crushed as soon as things start to go wrong. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's what Jesus is saying. So we need to get our treasure in the right place. And so I just want to ask you this question. I'm asking myself the same question. I'm always preaching to myself at the same time. I'm preaching with you. Ask this question, where is my treasure? What is my primary concern in life? Because where that is, your heart will also be. Let's keep reading. Um, verse 22 now. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And I just, if the thing If the thing that you think is going to bring you hope is bringing you anxiety and fear, that is a horrible place to be. (laughs) For the thing that you have placed your hope and trust in to betray you is a horrible position to find yourself in. All right? How deep, how dark is that darkness? He says, no one can serve two masters for he will either hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, Jesus talks specifically about money here, and it's reasonable for us to mention that for a moment, that for some of us, the, the thing that we put our value in is money, is security, is how much we have in the bank account and what our retirement fund looks like and, and what our lifestyle looks like and all of that. And boy, I'll tell you, if you put your hope in that, it can be here today and gone tomorrow. It can, it can wither like grass and be gone. It's not a reliable thing to put your hope in. And what Jesus is saying is we can expand this out, we can broaden this out, that, that we need to put our hope in the right thing, the thing that's not gonna let us down, the thing that's not gonna hurt us, the thing that's not gonna decay, the thing that is not gonna waste away, the thing that's not gonna be here today and gone tomorrow, that's not gonna be one way today and another way tomorrow, the thing that can let us down. We need to put our hope in the right thing, Oh, you can be, you can you can serve God. You can say my primary concern is God and have money. And you can say my primary concern is God and have relationships. And you can say my primary concern is God and have uh, a career. And you can say my primary concern is God and have uh, an academic life. And you can say my primary concern is God and be somewhat concerned about what other people think about you and, and how you impress people and influence them. But you can't serve both at the same time. You have to choose which one's at the top of the pile. You can't serve both, and everything needs will will in your life come into submission under the thing that is your primary concern. It's one of the ways that we can identify it. I think about I think about um, uh, high school students and the level of stress and anxiety they go under through all these tests and and uh, man all the scores and the the. ACTs and the entrance exams and college and it looks like this big huge massive thing and so scared to death and that pressure often comes from other people but scared to death you're going to mess up the rest of your life you know and and let me tell you something for those of you that are young that are here as someone who's on the other side of that it's not as big a deal as you think it is <laughs> all right i i i went to the school that i went to and i got the major that i got and i don't use it a bit Okay, so <laughs> I, the, the thing is, the thing is, uh, I, you know, I got into the school that I applied, I got into the school that I wanted to get into, and I wanted to be a teacher, I wanted to be a math teacher. Um, and uh, it turns out math in college is different than math in high school. I didn't know that. It's more like language arts than it is math. There's so many words and numbers and, or letters, and I was like, I don't know what this stuff is. And so I had to change my major. Uh, and so, uh, I was a, I was a math major technically my freshman year and then I changed it to business because that's what, you know, that's what I did because I didn't know what to do. And, uh, and so I learned some stuff there, but, uh, it wasn't the major that I had and the degree that I came out with or the school that I went to. It's what I learned and and how I, how I developed in the process. And so I just want you to know, students, you may have your eye on this particular thing that you want to do, but you don't have to do that. And it's not necessarily the thing that you have to do. And if you make, if you make serving God your primary concern, everything else is going to fall into line on that. You'll go to the school that you're supposed to go to and you'll have the major you're supposed to have and you will get the test scores you're supposed to get, but you must first put your primary focus, your primary concern in God, not on those other things. If you put, if you elevate all those other things to the top of the heap, your, your ACT score or your, you know, your entrance exam or whatever it may be, or your college essay, if you put that at the top of the heap, you are in trouble. I'm telling you, it is going to wreck you, destroy you and mess with you. And you're not going to end up where you're supposed to be. So you put your primary concern in God. All right, let's keep reading verse 25. Therefore, now I want to catch that. And I'm going to do, this is kind of like old school, right? This is a little old school and a little. Uh, cliche, I suppose, but it works for me. Anytime you see the word, therefore, you need to look to see what it's there for. Yeah. So, so he's saying, because you can't serve both God and money, because you need to lay up treasure in heaven where, where, where it doesn't destroy, where it's not destroyed and it doesn't decay because of all that, because you can do that, because you can make God your primary concern. I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. You're not be anxious about your life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink, not about your body or what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? you saying that's, that is, those are small pebbles, man. Those are, that is small stuff. Look at the birds of the air. They neither, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? In verse 27, this this crushes me. Maybe you too. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? It doesn't do anything. Worry, anxiety doesn't accomplish a single thing, not a thing in the world. It is completely destructive. It is not at all productive. It is a waste of time and a waste of life. 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? I mean, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And this, this is the phrase right at the end. This is like the This is the gut punch where Jesus hits us, all right? He's like, hey, look at the birds, man. Look at the flowers. And then he drops this. He says, oh, you of little faith. Now, I tell you that as somebody who struggles with anxiety himself, that hurts to hear. It's not a sensitive thing to say. It's not a politically correct thing to say. Because if... If I, if, if, if it were me up here teaching, if I were just preaching from my heart and my experience, I would get up here and say, Hey, listen, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, cause that's the way it feels to me that, that, that it's maybe it's something chemical or may it's medical or it's, it's because of my past or because of my history and I have no control over it. It's, it's nurture, it's nature. I don't know, but for some reason it's not my fault. And so, and, and so I, But the problem is I have a victim mentality. And when Jesus looks at people who are anxious and worried and scared about what tomorrow holds, he equates that to a lack of faith. And if it were me teaching, I wouldn't tell you that. But Jesus told us that, and he's right. And it's hard to hear from me because it's an indictment on me, because it means that when I am anxious, it's because I either have misguided treasure or I have malnourished faith. And when I really get honest with myself, that's what it is. And uh, I think if you're really honest with yourself, you admit that's what it is too. It's weird because anxiety, anxiety is a futile attempt to control the future. You ever looked at it that way? It's somehow an attempt. If I can figure out the 13 potential scenarios that are coming up in the next day or in the next week or in this meeting, if I can figure out what all those things are and I can figure out how I'm going to handle all those things, then when the moment comes, I'll be ready and I can manage it. The problem is we run through all these scenarios, most of which are never going to happen, and we end up settling on the worst case scenario as the one to dwell on. So we just assume the worst and we live in the worst instead of living in the best and it takes us and it just spirals us down and down and down and down and down. I heard a story about a guy whose car broke down in the middle of the night and it was raining and he didn't have a Jack and he was in the, he was in the middle of the country. And so he saw a far off a farmhouse and he started walking towards the farmhouse. But the whole time he was walking towards the farmhouse, he was thinking about everything that could possibly go wrong. Well, maybe, maybe they won't have a jack. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they won't let me use it. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe, they're, maybe they're serial killers. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? And as, as he's walking towards the house, he just gets more and more and more worked up. He gets more and more worked up until finally he, he knocks on the door. They open the door and he says, fine, keep your stupid jack and runs off. <laughs> and that's what anxiety does to us. All right, that's what anxiety does to us. This past week, um, my son Jairus, he's our middle son. He's seven years old. I did that, he's there now. Um, he's seven years old and uh, he was sick on Monday and um, cough, throat, ended up losing his voice. Well, Tuesday, he, was, he stayed home from school. Tuesday, he was well enough to go to school. And so we got everybody up in the morning and got dressed and did our whole morning thing. And I uh, came downstairs and Jairus was... Uh, on the couch, knees on the floor, face on the couch, just bawling his eyes out. I said, Jairus, what is wrong, man? He said, I'm just so scared. Jairus, why in the world are you scared? He said, I'm just so scared. Other kids are going to make fun of my squeaky voice. <laughs> I said, Jairus... Jairus, has anybody ever, have you ever heard somebody make fun of someone for their voice? No. <laughs> has anybody ever made fun of you at school? No. <laughs> I, this is what anxiety does, you know? So I had him, I just had him go in to tell his teacher first thing. so maybe he wouldn't call on him in class or whatever. And it was fun. Jared gets home at the end of the day, okay? And he comes home and he comes barreling in the door like Jared does. They're full out 100% all the time. He goes barreling in the door. Jairus, how was the day? And he's like, best day. I was like, I was like, did, did anybody make fun of your voice? No. I mean, he had totally forgotten about it by then, right? He got so worked up over the thing that was never going to happen. And this is what anxiety and worry do to us. You get worked up over the thing that well, it's never going to happen. So we need to we need to not waste time. Don't waste time thinking about what won't ever happen. All right. Let's keep reading. Verse thirty one. Thirty one. Therefore, do not be anxious. It says, therefore, again, right? Oh, you of little faith. It's a lack of faith, right? You have little faith, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the, the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But here it is. Seek first. Primary concern, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You put that first, everything else is going to fall in line. So don't don't let anxiety control you. Let faith control you. Let faith control you. It needs to be our primary concern. I I want to encourage you. Turn your concern, your attention, your hope, and your trust toward God and His promises because they will never let you down. Never let you down. And then even when things are breaking... You can still have hope instead of being anxious. I, I don't need I don't need to fake control over the thirteen scenarios that will never happen. I can trust God with the one scenario that will happen. That's faith. Trust. And then he finishes it this way in 34, at least in this section, we'll continue next week, of course, but 34. Therefore. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. There it is again. Three times, by the way, he says, therefore, do not be anxious. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Our futile attempt to step into the future causes us to step on the present. We waste today worrying about tomorrow. And what we need to do is have faith in what God is going to do with us tomorrow. And be present today. We need to deal with what's real. Now, if you want um, some more help on this, I imagine we were probably going to end up teaching on this again in the the, uh, You Ask For It series. And we'll probably go to Philippians chapter 4 for that message. And so if you struggle with this particular, I want to encourage you to go to to Philippians chapter 4 and read there. But I just want to give you three quick things that will help to manage anxiety, to reduce anxiety, and to increase faith. All right, three quick things. So if you're taking notes, you might jot these down. The first, because I know it's great to say, yeah, I want to have more faith. I don't want to be anxious. It's another thing to actually do it and live in it. And that takes a lot more intentionality than than what we uh, can do in this moment. So let me give you a few things. The first, place your hope in Jesus Christ. Place your hope in Jesus Christ. Take all of your attention, all of your hope, and turn it towards Jesus. And what God wants to do in you and through you. How do we do that? We, we know we can do that because of what God has done for us. Because even though we're sinful and disconnected from God, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to us. And Jesus Christ lived for, uh, to show us an example, but he died on the cross to pay for our sin, and he rose again. And we can be forgiven through that. Some of you, that's a first step for you, is to accept salvation through Jesus Christ. As soon as we've accepted salvation through Jesus Christ, we know that there's nothing to fear, ultimately, and what's the worst that can happen to us? We end up in heaven. That's, that's the worst, that is worst case scenario, by the way. And so we can have our hope in Jesus Christ and look forward to that so that even in the darkest times, even the hardest times, when those things that we might put our hope in aren't going well, we can get through those and keep our head up and have faith through them because our hope is set on Jesus Christ. So you might need to realign that today. The second thing is to release control with confidence. Release control with confidence. The Scripture tells us, and it's true, that God works all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His promises. That does not mean everything is going to go the way you want, and it doesn't mean you're always going to be comfortable, and it doesn't mean that you're always going to feel safe, and it doesn't mean that that everything is going to be roses and dandies. It's not going to be you know lollipops and unicorns and gumdrops and all that. It's it's that it's that we can trust Him to take all of this stuff, even the junk and work it together into ultimately what's the best thing for us from someone who knows far better. And I'm telling you that God will do a much job of, much better job of managing my situation than I will. And he will do a much better job of managing your situation than you will. And so we can release that release control with confidence. And that means that even particularly when things are hard and anxiety creeps up and worry creeps up, we need to pray, 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 say it to him so many times that you can no longer consciously even admit that you're in control anymore. You just keep telling him he's in control. Keep telling him he's in control. Keep telling God he's in control. Just keep saying it. All right. Keep saying it, reminding yourself more than you're reminding him because he knows. Okay, but uh, we need to pray, pray, pray. Release control with confidence. And then the third thing, and this is so important for me, this is so helpful for me, focus on the good today. Focus on the good today. If you read Philippians 4, what you're going to see is he says, don't be anxious about anything, but through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I have this memorized because I need to have it memorized. Okay. And it says, whatever is pure and it follows it up with this, whatever is pure and whatever is good and whatever is noble and whatever is worthy of praise, think on these things. You got to focus on the good today. And you, instead of so let, focus, let God focus on what he's going to do with you tomorrow. You focus on what you're going to do with him today. So instead of worrying, instead of getting anxious, say, God, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do today? Um, if, if anxiety's creeping up about your kids, what do you want me to do for them today? If anxiety's creeping up about your career, God, what do you want me to do today? And your focus is on him. You're putting him as your primary concern, but you're getting active. And nothing defeats anxiety like activity. I know that's true. I just, sometimes I just got to get up and got to get busy doing something so that I get out of my head and onto what God has in, has in store for me. And so maybe that would be helpful for to you today. And I just want to say this, that just as the last thing, and it's just a phrase that rings with me all the time, and maybe it be helpful for you when you start feeling anxious, God's got this. That's it. And that's, that's what I remind myself of. God's got this. God's got this. God, you got this. I don't need to, I don't need to got this. I don't, I, I can't, I, you know, I don't. And so we need to take that anxiety and we need to replace it with faith. And um, sometimes we need help. Okay to, in order to see where our hope is lying. Sometimes we don't have great perspective on ourselves. So I think counseling is of great value in this. Reading books is of great value. Talking to your friends, people in your groups about this is of great value. So, so communicate. I'm not saying, I'm not saying get over it, just get over it. It's not like that, but we do need to, we need to get over it with the help of others and the help of God and make progress. Okay. So let me pray for you. Um, and, uh, as we all go on this journey together, God, thank you so much for your love and the confidence that we have to know that if we have accepted your son, Jesus Christ, through faith, we are forgiven. We have nothing to fear from you, no anxiety to fear with you whatsoever. We can come to you in complete openness and honesty. So Jesus, we thank you for your death. We thank you for your resurrection. It sets us free and um, God, maybe there's someone today who needs to accept that for the first time so that they can release that anxiety and that worry that they have between you. They're worried you're going to judge them. They're worried that you're going to condemn them. You're, they're worried that you're going to smite them, that you're going to you're you're hurt them, that they're not good with you. And they can clear that up right now. And I pray, God, you would just give them the peace and confidence right now to know that they can't and that they would accept that. They would admit that they're sinful. Maybe this is you today. You're admitting that you're sinful and Um, that you need Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you and rose again, and you'd ask forgiveness of your sins. That's all you got to do, and God will forgive you. And you're, you're turning in a new direction today, okay? Turning towards God. And uh, I just ask God for those that are making that decision right now. And for all of us that have had, uh, have you, you know, our hearts, our hearts are deceitful and they're wicked and they trick us. And you know that um, anxiety and fear and the desire to control the future and concern about all that's going to happen creeps in on us and creeps up on us. And, um, and we know that somewhere deep down inside of us, uh, along with a lot of other factors that that stems from a lack of faith in you, trust in you. And um, so God, I ask that you would help us when those moments come, whether it's directed a specific thing or whether it's just a general fear of what's going to happen, that God, you would give us peace, that we would express our thanks to you, that we would express your control over the situation, that you would help to recenter us and redirect us back to the mindset and the, the heart set that we need to have in order to trust you fully with our lives And I got to pray that you do that for me. I pray that you do that for everybody who's in the room, that the situations that are causing anxiety for us, I'm not asking that you fix them, although that would be great. We're not asking that you fix them. We're asking that you fix us. We're asking that you fix our hearts, that you give us confidence in you and trust in you and faith in you, that we would be less and less anxious, that we would take our attention off of ourselves and put it solely on you, that we would receive reward from you that you would be our treasure, and that our heart would be with you. We thank you so much for your word and the encouragement that it is to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.